0: Welcome to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And Cindy, I want to take a different tack today. Okay. I know I told you we'd do a program about one thing, but I think what we're really going to do it about is attraction (laughs) and romance. (laughs)
1: Oh, that's food and wine.
0: When I go to the grocery store, I'm attracted to certain things, <laughs> aren't you?
1: Yes, for sure. And
0: and you see something, and
1: you're like, oh, it's
0: an acorn squash. And you have romantic feelings about that, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I could take that acorn squash, and I could introduce it to some pine nuts and some garlic. <laughs> and and with a-, a little bit of proper technique, you know a little bit of care maybe a little conversation glass of wine no but mm-hmm. you, you, you can really have something special there right right so i think that's let's go from that perspective right we, we were going to talk about our favorite ingredients to work with those things that attract you mm-hmm. those things that make you have romantic feelings about food you know let let's talk about what are the what are those things that like they get you every time you walk in the store, you go to the farmer's market, you go and you walk in your walk-in cooler at work, and it's like, oh, you're here. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's going to be better. <laughs> My day is going to be better, right? <laughs>
1: right, yeah. All right. So
0: would you like to begin? Sure. So R- what, what, what gets your attention? What turns your head?
1: Right now, uh, well, it's pretty exciting, Tony. I don't know if you can handle it but I get really happy. I could w- probably handle it. <laughs> But I get really happy when I see all those apples in the walk-in right now. So I'm very excited about those because there's so many different things you can do with apples. And
2: you,
0: you,
1: uh, You're hilarious. So, uh, dear listeners, I'm texting
0: with Cindy uh, uh, before I talk to the guy who grows all of our <laughs> apples in the orchard <laughs> in Pennsylvania. And I'm like, well, he has this, he has this, he has this, he has this, he has this. And predictably, Cindy's like, can I have one of each? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like them all. Yeah, so Fuji's so and, mm-hmm. and
0: Granny Smiths
1: and the last Honeycrisps and oh, Honeycrisps. That was the first one. That was Sunday morning. Uh, he, Eric brought them in and and I walked into the walk-in right after he sat them down and I'm like, "Oh, I'm 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 going to have to get one of each of those right now, but I I, I started with the Honeycrisp. But I'll never forget the first time I ate one of those apples. I cannot believe their sugar content not just how amazing they are. So um, yeah, they're not bad just to eat. That's for sure. But uh, my pastry chef currently is making an apple galette, which actually I think we're making across the street too, which I didn't realize. That's kind well, of a diff- it's a, a slightly different a version, different but version, cros- yeah. cros- crostata. That's crostata. A- and um, oh my gosh, his dough just melts in your mouth when you eat it I mean I I I took one home actually I took one I liked it so much I took one home for Sunday morning to you know heat up and have with my coffee and um I mean the thing darn thing almost fell apart when I took it off the the little sizzle pan so it it, that's how tender that dough is actually one of the guests asked me about it and um he, he was like what's the secret to making a dough like that and I said well it's you know it's Honestly, quite frankly, you need a, a good amount of, of butter in there to make it that way. And also don't overwork your dough. I mean, that's what it always yeah, comes down to. Yeah, it's how, you, how you cut it in. Yeah, it's always what it comes down to. and um, And using high quality ingredients, obviously, you're not like using Crisco or something in the place of butter when, you know, that's what really does the job. Um, but yeah, so the apples, I mean, I started thinking about, oh my gosh, I wish I had some chicken breast because I'd like to make an apple and calvados cream sauce for the chicken. And then I wished I had some morels to put on there. I'm like, oh, that would be so good to have, you know, some really beautifully caramelized fresh morels with that sort of apple, you know, gorgeous, you know, sexy, quite frankly, cream that has a little bit of shallot in it as well. And, um, and the, and, or, or you could use Cognac and uh, over the Calvados, if you don't have it. So that's one of the things I was thinking about. And then we started talking about apple butter because it, his uh, little uh, uh, galette made me think of it. Did you did you have apple butter growing up here, or is that a Pennsylvania yeah, thing?
0: We, we did, and we used to – I mean, that's honestly one of the first and strangest things we ever did in third grade. It's a memory stuck uh-huh. in my head. What? Was making apple butter really in school? In school, and oh, I love that. We had that. a very particular science teacher. Okay? That's fun, w- wonderful guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But he—he he was there's definitely all kinds of like tending to frogs and mm. and uh, you know, <laughs> frankly, slaughtering <laughs> of chickens. And, Ew! What? Well, just you know, kind <laughs> of see what's going on. up in the third grade. Yeah, wow. all right. And and the uh, but but <laughs> making in the fall in the early part of the, of the year. It was making apple butter.
1: Oh, that's super cool! Yeah, and and
0: we 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 made it, and (laughs) and then uh, literally like a a loaf of Wonder Bread, everybody just spread spread it it it. on there and ate it. that was crazy because that's
1: what it was back then. And I remember because my grandmother would make sauerkraut, and always when she had sauerkraut, we would have apple butter on Wonder Bread. Um, and I can see my grandfather eating it right now. I mean, he just, oh, he loved the apple butter. I, I did too. As a kid, I just thought, I, I never really liked apple sauce. I always thought it was kind of boring, but apple butter, mm, yummy. But anyway, yeah, so there's just, so, there's so many different things you can do with apples. So,
0: um, you know. I'm a sucker for apples, uh, like like a nice tart granny. It's like sweet and tart. Mm-hmm. Or a Fuji might be the best in, in something of a stir fry. Uh, there's a dish used to make X number of years ago uh, uh, for a place. There was salmon with uh, there was there was a glaze for the salmon that was made with with apple cider vinegar mm-hmm. and and a little bit of brown sugar.
1: Oh, I love apple cider vinegar. And
0: and uh, like a spicy, it was it was apples, jalapenos. Oh, I like um, them Bok choy, mm. uh, garlic, little ginger, mm-hmm. a, a drop of sesame oil, and just. V- very Straightforward Very quick Nice and fresh For that salmon Yeah The nice fattiness of the salmon Loved Sure The you know The the agrodulce Yeah Part of that Okay That uh, was a That was a great dish Yeah In I'm trying to remember I, to make, I bet you my daughters Would like that Without the jalapeno
1: Mm. We used to do a Napa cabbage slaw with julienne apple in it. That was mm-hmm. so good. I can't remember what that was for. That was a long time ago. I don't I, think that was salmon. It was either I, salmon or duck or something. That but... was definitely a dish I gave you. Oh, stop. It was definitely. Oh. The, 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 the Napa cabbage <laughs> slaw with the apple It was definitely a dish <laughs> I gave right, you. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> but it would be good with pretty much anything, quite frankly. It would be great with pork. It would be great with a bird. So which is your
0: favorite apple, and what's your favorite recipe for that apple?
1: Mm, okay so it's definitely the Honeycrisp so I'll just we'll just go back to that um I like the idea of you know we all like the idea of fruit with foie gras and um and again this is something that could be done with a, a duck breast instead or a piece of quail um or squab but uh do, using a Parisian scoop and scooping the apple is one way to deal with it, or you could just dice it, or you could julienne it. But I kind of like the idea of big pieces, so I think maybe a, either sort of like a large dice or, the, or, or a little scoop of it. And um, I would peel them first and then immediately go into a little bit of cognac uh, chicken stock and sort of just poach them and um, have lots of them. And then also take all the peelings, all the skin, so you're not losing anything, not throwing anything away, and blend it in the blender with a little bit of sherry vinegar and extra virgin olive oil and just make like a little quick vinaigrette. You could add a little lime juice to it too, just to brighten it and have that I assume level.
0: you have to strain it because of the skins.
1: Right, right. And a, a little bit of lime juice to have that citrusy feel to it as well. And um, I like Cipollini's with this or Julienne caramelized onions. Uh, You know, maybe a little bit of uh, roasted parsnips would be so good with it. Roasted carrots, or you could do a carrot puree or a parsnip puree, but sort of like root vegetables, apples, and something acidic, uh, which is what that that little quick little sort of apple vinaigrette is. And then you could hit it with a little reduction sauce on the plate, sort of, you know, sort of cover the whole plate with that apple vinaigrette and then do drops of reduction sauce on top of it. So
0: this is all a landing place for a piece of syrup foie gras?
1: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. And, you know, like I said, you can also do a piece of a bird. To lay out duck breast on. Right, right. So that's a good way to use the apples. And you're using them in a couple of different ways. And in conjunction with a bunch of other vegetables, which are good and healthy for you. So that's kind of fun. How about you? Apples?
0: Honestly, I have a a particular memory of my great-grandmother making buttered toast and making uh, almost like you'd make a grilled cheese, Mm -hmm. but with bacon and apples.
1: Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Mm. Which mm. was
0: Sounds good. crazy good. <laughs> it's, it's funny that it just occurred to me when you were talking about that last recipe. I have that particular strong memory.
1: So, what's your first favorite ingredient? Beans. Oh, well, that's one of I, mine, too. I love, you know very uh, well. I, yeah. So all kinds. All me kinds. Me, too. Yep.
0: From little, tiny, wonderful lentils. <laughs> I mean even just like, like last night there's a really velvety pumpkin soup being made with fairy tale pumpkin. Yeah. It gets finished with a little bit of cream and a a little bit of uh a little bit of pecorino like um the spuma, you know, the a little bit of foam. And then really beautiful little black beluga lentils. Those you are know, great just cooked no stock, you know, just water, mirepoix and then and that's just a garnish. And that soup is so velvety that it just kind of sits there. And that sweetness of the harvest that comes through in that pumpkin mm-hmm. and and the, like, pure earth that's there and the satisfaction of that perfectly cooked lentil.
1: Yeah, I saw— it's th- the texture. Oh. I saw those fairy-tale oh. pumpkins when they came in and uh, across the street. And I, I looked at those, and I'm like, hmm— how comes I didn't get one of these? <laughs> because I, yeah, I haven't. I, I don't think I've ever made pumpkin soup. Um, I've worked with pumpkin in different ways. I've, I've made pumpkin risotto, which because butternut squash risotto is one of my favorites with andouille sausage. But yeah, the idea of um, I like the black beluga lentils in there with yeah, the, 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 the pumpkin, texture really of
0: the See, the thing is, the underappreciated beans can go in a million different directions. Mm-hmm. Different ones all have lots of different subtle flavors. But it's a little bit, um, their presence, you take it away and you miss it. Oh, yeah. You know, that's, that, that, that there's sure. so yeah. many, like a soup that, you know, a soup with cranberry, the end of the summer when cranberry beans come with, you know, tomatoes and, and uh, like last sweet onions and, and the, the beans and, mm-hmm. you know, that you make just with chicken broth and, and, Greens, like turnip greens or something like that, and carrots and beets, like that that kind of thing. My daughters will eat gallons of that stuff. That's great. If you take the beans away, they're sad. <laughs> and they're right to be.
1: That's right. And part
0: of it is, like I said, you, you miss the texture difference. Sure. Beans, I think, are often, the, the thing that get, they get missed on the most is how much they're cooked. Yes. Because some people will just destroy them. Mm-hmm. Or just boiled the living Jesus yeah. out of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: you know, and then they're kind of like all shreddy and mashy. And, well, you want
1: to cook them and, uh, low and slow. You know, once you once you've and I well, I think the real to me, what I teach all of my cooks is we make the broth first. Whatever those beans are going to cook in, all the flavor needs to be developed in that broth before you ever hit it with beans. Add the beans to it, be- especially if you're doing something like lentils, which. That's probably one of the fastest cooking beans there are. But even because – even though beans take – could take, you know, an hour or something to cook on low – you know, low and slow on on low heat, um, you still want that flavor developed so that they're absorbing all that wonderful flavor from the very beginning.
0: Yeah. And they begin as like little rocks and then they become these pliable little sponges mm-hmm. unless you have fresh. And that's even less cooking time, which requires even more yeah. focus on – Developing the flavor before you cook.
1: Well, well, you and I were talking about the sardines that I had on Sunday night. And um, I was trying to figure out what to do. And you'd, you'd said, you know, a bean, like a bean relish or something. And I ended up, and because I was going in. You know,
0: beans, beans and tomatoes, I'm a sucker. Right. You have, the, you have the acid, you have the little bit of starch.
1: Yeah, and we're mean. still getting local tomatoes, which is amazing. You throw
0: the bonus protein in there.
1: Right. So. I That was my, my process. I was going to do that, the sort of a warm relish. So I didn't want to have onions and things in there. So I ended up making a broth that had a lot of Tabasco, a lot of cayenne pepper. It was actually quite spicy. And chili powder. Uh, a little bit of saffron. And, yeah, black pepper. And then I ended up adding a little bit. Well, I added red wine and a little bit of tomato paste. And I made it in duck stock because I had duck stock so I made that and I started cooking the beans and I so I never added onion or anything to it which is crazy to me because I always put a lot of onion and shallot and possibly garlic in when I'm making beans and those beans turned out oh and I of course I had bacon pieces in there from the very beginning (laughs) yeah I had to have I had huge pieces of bacon and we use slab bacon so I had two nice big squares of that in and uh, by the time they were done, they they were just so good. I'm like, oh, I am not not losing this broth. I'm not making relish with this. I'm gonna put a relish on top of the beans, but make the beans so more dry. You know, almost not dry, dry, but you know, not trying not trying to a, get
0: them exactly. Yeah, not right. a bowl
1: of broth and beans, but a bowl yeah. of beans with a little bit of liquid. And oh my gosh, they were so good. And then I just made uh, the tomato relish I made with um, what are those uh, deep sort of burgundy tomatoes that have the like green going through it. They they're beautiful. You're talking about black crims? Yeah, black maybe black crims. Oh my gosh, that's what I had a lot of and then I had some, you know, just really good looking some sort of heirloom red that was just gorgeous and sort of pear-shaped. And um I chopped all those up. I did get rid of some of the skin, but mostly, uh, you know, just chopped them. Used all their juice and all their seeds, and uh, mixed it with again a little bit. I steeped saffron and lime juice and a little bit of tabasco, and salt and pepper, and added uh, a little bit of garlic, finely chopped garlic, and let basil leaves just sit in there as I was making it, and uh, then pulled those out at the end. Oh my gosh, that relish on top of those beans with a piece of um, with the p- the grilled fish was just absolutely delicious. The
0: oil from the sardines want everything that's there. That's kind of Mm -hmm. what that's about. There's an Arneas, which is a grape from Piemonte, a white grape um, that there are a couple of bottlings of right now that are available, 2020 vintage, that are super. They would be spectacular with that. Vietti is one producer, Mm. but the one I love, love is Giacomo Finocchio. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, If you see Finocchio, (laughs) I think you've had a Barolo from Finocchio. Yeah. But this one, it's a little richer than other arnets. We would love that
1: dish. Yeah, and I didn't say what kind of beans I used. I used petite rouge peas from. Uh,
0: oh, so little tiny guys.
1: Yeah, so that was just really good. And I was really excited about that dish. Turned down like. It's
0: uh, fun when I feed you an idea and you just make it a lot yeah, better fun. than I would. Yep. Well. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back on Formidable Wolf Food and Wine, it's more time, more romance. Well, it's more favorite ingredients <laughs> on WYPR. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman,
1: and Chef Cindy Wolf,
0: and we're talking about favorite ingredients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get too far because we get no. ex- you get excited. <laughs> yes, we absolutely. get excited. We we covered literally <laughs> apples and
1: beans. Yeah, and only one or two beans, lentils <laughs> well, and, and Petit rouge beans, but the, but the but process so, we did oh, talk and about the process. lima beans when they come. Oh, and butter beans, and black beans oh, my when they goodness. come. Yeah, definitely, the rattlesnake, rattlesnake beans. Rattlesnake. Okay.
0: A, a give a quickie recipe while we're, while we're still beaning. Yeah, give a quickie recipe. that used to make, back in the day, black bean cakes or rattlesnake bean cakes,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it happened in a while. That, I always thought that was the best landing place for a something. Oh, yeah. You know, it could be, like, a strong-flavored piece of fish, you know. Um,
1: yeah, a piece m- of pork.
0: Mackerel, you know. That too, yeah. E- e- a piece of, uh, like a knuckle of pork, Mm -hmm. some duck confit. Like, it doesn't have to be huge. Right. You know, but, but to get that bean cake where it's, like, crispy, it's also a landing place for, like, a fried egg. Oh, definitely. That's amazing. Oh, that would be fun for breakfast. Amazing, amazing. So give give a quickie bean cake recipe. Oh,
1: I have not made those in years. Um, yeah, so uh, I always cook the beans in uh, stock. I usually didn't cook it in anything too crazy, not the way I make my beans now. So uh, maybe a piece of bacon in there or maybe not. You know, It might have just been chicken stock with a little Tabasco and eventually salt at the end. Uh, but cook the beans until they're tender, and then half of them you puree in the food processor to break them up, but you're not making them totally pureed. And then the other half, you just barely chop them up, and and um, you can leave a couple whole. But you, you do want them to be broken up. And then uh, you do need a, you need a little bit of the original broth uh, uh, to make it moist and not dry. And um, I put I would put red on- finely chopped red onion in there. Um, a little bit of actually I used to put green onion in there too which I don't even work with green onions anymore and uh, we would put a little bit of panko in just to hold the cake together and um, that was really you know again Tabasco no, no egg no no Uh, a little bit of Tabasco for sure, you know, obviously salt and pepper, and then, I mean, you can change it however you want. You could add curry to that, you could add saffron to that, you could, you know, do all kinds of things, but that's the way you make the cake, and you just form them into cakes, and that's it. You want to be very careful with the amount of panko, the breadcrumb you add to it. Um, It's really just a couple of tablespoons. It doesn't take
0: much. Especially when you puree the beans, they have pretty good starch.
1: Yeah, and and you want them to have been drained before you puree them. You don't want unknown liquid in there. You want to be in charge of the liquid, so drain them nicely. you have unknown liquids. That's Stay right. Away. None of that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then, yeah, so they're good. And then form them into cakes and you just, a uh, nice hot steel pan with a neutral oil like canola or corn and um, brown them off and uh, on one side, pop it over on the other side and uh, finish it in a, you know, 400 degree oven, convected if you have it. And um, yeah, they're gorgeous.
0: Yeah, one of those guys, it just Little tomato relish and and sour cream. Yeah, oh, the second.
1: Yeah, sour cream or creme fraiche, either one. Nice slices, too, of jalapeno. You know, that you talked about prosciutto. I mean, I love the idea of speck or prosciutto or something like that, you know, layered on or, or, uh, or. My favorite Hamoni ibérico, which is oh, one of my favorite that, ingredients. You could I was use that for a base
0: about. of like an eggs benedict kind of thing.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, I love I love the fried egg thing on there. Actually, I like the idea of a fried egg better than I do a poached egg, but either one would work. Um, yeah, I just like the idea of that sort of you know a, like almost like a little crispy egg white, mm-hmm. you know, and then pop that yolk and let so it a little you know, crispy edge and yeah. a little bit of greens on there like frisée or mustard greens, you know, tossed in a little extra virgin mm-hmm. olive oil. A
0: ton of cilantro.
1: Oh, that would be great. Yeah.
0: All right. So we're officially done with beans.
1: So you want to go to Jamon Iberico because I just brought up my other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I mean, again. Well, what's
0: it, what is Jamon Iberico?
1: Well, it's a Spanish cured ham that is one of the best hams in the world. I mean, and they are unfortunately quite expensive. Um, but so, if you can the, buy small pieces of it, yeah, you so, can.
0: So northwest of Spain. now, and, and it's the breed that they'll they'll call the black pigs, right? And they eat only
1: acorns yeah they're in the forest yeah, their diet they're wild. is very particular mm-hmm. and, they, and they're uh you know the fat is just remarkable there, there's no other word for it i mean the and 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 you want to eat it all uh you do take a little bit of the outside off before you start uh, slicing it but you know they traditionally slice it in just little tiny pieces and then lay it out so beautifully on the blade and I always see the advertisement for that ham, and I see those plates of those slices, sliced pieces. I mean, obviously, that is the best way to eat it. Um, and you know, we've been in Spain where they serve it with pan con tomate.
0: Yeah, <laughs> eating with her is one rule. You may only use your hands. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, well, it, you know I think that was a time when that plate of padrone peppers came out. I think we were eating the jamón ibérico with pan con tomate and then this plate of, you know, russian roulette with the the padrone pepper where you don't know how ungodly hot they're going to be. Um and then the next one's like almost sweet. You're like I can't even. Yeah, so but I mean that is that is to me the greatest way to start a meal like ever. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's three b- things b- before
0: the really nice sweet tomatoes go away. Um pan con tomate is an easy thing anyone mm-hmm. can do if you get a hold of a little Iberico one Iberico or really good prosciutto de Parma is great with champagne not joking mm-hmm. uh, it's it's fine with other bubbles but holy smokes even just nice non vintage champagne Roger, you know but Medville, some nice producer at, it's crazy how well they get along yeah. is yeah. the salt the fat the you know the that snap the salinity yeah, it really of, cuts the, through. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the champagne. Um, pan con tomate is a traditional accompaniment for it that you're mentioning. And they're just little toast rounds, like little pieces of baguette, um, that they get toasted, not grilled. Usually it's just like on a stovetop, like the like the old French guys would call mm-hmm. you know, but not in butter, just a little bit of oil in a pan. Both sides a little bit crispy. When it comes off, you rub them with garlic. You don't put garlic on them. You take nice fresh garlic and you rub the pieces, so that like the in in all the little crevices, mm-hmm. you get little bits of oil and and, so and and leavings basically. Mm-hmm. And then after that, so three you know the three steps, then extra virgin olive oil, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's just tomato and it's. Chopped, seeded, skinned mm-hmm. tomato that's drained a, a bit. Yeah. It's not like a whole. It has a little bit of salt, uh-huh. and that's it. And just lay it on there, and you and you you have a bite of the hamon, and you have one of these little toasts. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's
1: so simple, but it's so good. It's...
0: And to perfect the 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 holy trinity of this, is the glass of champagne. So
1: and there you go. It's a good, good situation. As you would it's, say. It is a good
2: situation. <laughs> That's
1: exactly right. <laughs> you know, with, with Hamone Barco, I mean, I, I, you know, the next thing is I know you're going to be left if you were to buy a whole one, which it, it, this also, I, mean, I thought of it because one of my best friends is visiting me right now from uh, when I grew up. And, uh, uh, she said at Christmas time, they actually buy a whole ham for their family. They have a huge family and they're entertaining a lot of people. And, um, yeah. And, and uh, my friend was talking about, you know, standing there slicing it and handing it out to everybody. And it's just such a treat. I mean, it really is such a special item. Uh, and you want very thin slices, obviously. But I'm standing here thinking about the whole idea of eventually when there's no meat left, there's going to be that bone. And I like to make, we were just talking about beans, I like to make bean soup with that bone. Oh, yeah. And some of the scraps that aren't really as nice as they should be to be sliced. And, uh, I mean, that's going to make one of the most wonderful, special broths you'll make out of a pork product, for sure, for beans.
0: Tangentially, wouldn't mind using that for uh, some greens that you're going to braise, like collards or uh, Mm -hmm. mustards.
1: Yeah, I have some collard greens coming in today. I'm super excited to uh make make uh some slow-cooked collard greens. That would be too bad I don't have a yeah, we're, ham hock yeah. <laughs> ham. Where,
0: where's that bone <laughs> hanging? Out? The the other thing is is to get flavor from a lot of the trim. Mm-hmm. You know, you can render some of that fat. Sure. And and cool that and then use that, you know,
1: you want Oh, for it. sure. Yeah, you want to use that whole thing, especially, well, I mean, it's all good. It's all, all good to use, but it also is quite expensive. Well, and and you know the serrano ham is a little less expensive. The other uh, famous uh, Spanish ham, and um, that's also very very good the, ham the, too. The, the yeah. flavor
0: is very good. The texture is not the same.
1: It's not. It's not. But it's it's a little bit more affordable. Well, and you were talking about prosciutto or, earlier. So the Italian version of the ham, um, obviously that that fat. Oof, oh my gosh! Different I, ball game. Yeah, I could do so much. enormously Enormously different ball game. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. That the hams would be that different. I remember when I first started cooking, we weren't allowed to get
0: well different breed. First off, right, and very different rules on the the you know I guess what the French would call élevage, you know the the upbringing of the ham. Okay, Um right. and even there's there's even like weird like in in uh, in in Parma. I remember visiting, uh, Folzani, the producer there uh, that we that we get all of our prosciutto de Parma from, and Oh my gosh, they they have to have a very particular kind of horse bone to check that that when you when you test the the prosciutto the ham mm-hmm. um, and you push it against the the joint that it's a very strange thing. It's like a little particular device, like carved out of wow. like a horse leg bone, that they use to test that. Like, mm. and it's not. They won't label it unless you're using the right device, okay, and they come and inspect you. it's there's all kinds of sure crazy official well, it's, processes. It's,
1: it's an old process and it's cared for
0: well, and it's a, you know that like even you just walk through their facility and there's a particular wind flow, hmm. a certain amount of hours, like there's a particular humidity, sure. certain t- like it's a they're constantly tasting testing stuff. And tasting stuff.
1: And those hams start at how many months? Is it 12?
0: I don't think much is sold before 18. 18, okay. Yeah, um,
1: yeah I, I mean, that's an you know, investment. That is 20, an investment to hang that like thing the, for that long. The
0: difference between the 18 and the 24, the Grand yeah. Reserve the 24. Yeah, 24 months. Holy smokes. The prosciutto
1: is pretty amazing. That,
0: that's, that stuff is pretty spectacular.
1: Well, oh, you know, we started using, uh, at, at one point, Edwards ham. So let's go to American ham, which is another story and totally different, but I'll tell you what, I'll not forget, I mean, you know, I grew up eating Smithfield ham, my father was you know, in the meat business, so we had a
0: You can tell how different the diet is for (laughs) that that Virginia ham.
1: Definitely. Oh, definitely.
0: The texture of the fat, the texture of the meat, totally different.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it it, and I love the Edwards ham. I just love the flavor of that thing. I mean, that that those those hams are just absolutely but it delicious. But has a
0: little sneaky s- sweetness. Like the Iberico, and especially shruta de Par- Parma, is a little more umami than Iberico is. Mm-hmm. But it's it's funny. It's almost like uh, Italian wine is a little bit more savory than a lot of Spain. And the American, the tail, that that stuff is great, but it is definitely more like it's not fruity, but it, there's a sweetness to it. Like you can taste okay. There's corn in that diet. There's you know, like, right? They're not they're not fooling around. Can you guess what my next ingredient is? No. That always draws me. Uh, beets. H- hard to find in grocery. Store. I yes, I like beets,
1: <laughs> but cut it out. Oh, all right. I don't know. What's your next ingredient? In
0: what, I, I will admit, like. There's something come hither about a beautiful beet, <laughs> still has plenty of dirt on it, and really bright greens that say, I was just picked. Right. You know? I love beets. Uh, that, that, there's, it's funny. My, my daughters have become very accustomed to a soup that I make with corn and tomatoes and beets and beet greens. That's a like end of season
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, thing every year because just made it two days ago. Um, no,
1: Mushrooms. Oh, well, that's also one of my... I why. mean,
0: think, think about it. Yeah. I mean, that's... Well, no question. Besides the fact that there's a variety. It's so funny. I made a comment to someone offhand last night. Like, oh, black trumpets, they smell so good. They are my fourth favorite mushroom. <laughs> 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 it's like, oh, jeez, I'm going to have to do it, like a ranking, an official top 10 <laughs> <laughs>
1: mushroom mushroom ranking. Right. you
0: know? Like, uh, So acknowledging that black truffle is first on the list. Yes. You know? but it's a different thing. What is what is your next? I know my next. Uh,
1: you know, it's got well see, it's a tie because it's morels and porcini. It's
0: not a tie.
1: It is a tie. Don't for be me. ridiculous. Which one is your favorite? Porcini? You gotta pick, cut it out.
0: Oh. <laughs> I love porcini. <laughs> However, porcini are not they don't have like some of the magic that a truffle has. Morels can have that, that I don't think any other mushroom can have. This is a really silly food wine metaphor. The, the great, great champagne, the greatest Blanc de Blanc Salon, mm-hmm. they produce, um, they have 10 parcels. They choose from one parcel every year. The other 90% of their production mm-hmm. all goes into a bottling for Delamont champagne. Oh, wow. They're vintage de de Blanc de Blanc.
2: I didn't know that.
0: So I always buy the vintage de de Blanc de Blanc. And when I can afford it, I buy the Salon, right? Mm-hmm. The Morels, when, when Morels are good, mm-hmm. they are the Delamont Blanc de Blanc. Okay, got it. If you follow my yes. most obscure possible <laughs> metaphor. Uh-huh. So anyway, when we come back, we're, more mushroom talk. Yes. It requires more discussion. And I can't believe you made a tie. We're very disturbed here on Form of the Formula Wolfhound Food and Wine on WIPR. Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're spending some time talking about favorite ingredients, things that attract you, make you want to cook, make you want want to work with these things, things that you think about too much,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know. And we are talking about mushrooms.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And Cindy upset me by saying that she ranked porcinis and morels at, at the same level. Of oh, goodness. He, he, here is the, the, the thing. Mm-hmm. I'll I make the end of my case on it. Porcini's I love. Porcini's have a great flavor. But porcini's are a little bit, it's like a baritone in the opera. There's a depth, there's a darkness. It's marvelous. It's nice to feel that it's there. It's never enough. You always need you, Come you, on! You need the tenor. <laughs> you need the tenor. It takes you to heights. You know oh, that.
1: My goodness. Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. There's more. There's a. There's a little more thrill, and that. That's
1: what the morel can not do. Not sure I could take much more of this. Oh, I can't <laughs> help it. I, can, I have well, feelings. I yes, have apparently. passion about mushrooms. Uh, so do I. Um, One but, of five yes. favorite
0: dishes I've eaten in my entire life. Oh, I can't am wait joking. to hear what these
1: are. Yes.
0: Père Bisse, uh in ansie. In France, all the way up in the Savoie, early summer gosh uh, what five years ago very simple fricasse with with a little bit of new garlic and morels a giant plate and a, a, with a sauce that was a little bit of eel stock and a little bit of a mushroom stock you know right. together and 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 a little butter. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I cannot make my eyes wider on the radio than I just did.
1: Right. Well, the, they they are, you know, just from a visual standpoint and, and a structural standpoint, they are very unusual. There is no other mushroom that looks or acts like them.
0: No, they are the fairy tale mushroom. They are the
1: fairy tale, and they are very hard to clean, and they are wild. They are not a cultivated, farmed mushroom. They are only wild. And... Um, You know, the enemy of a mushroom is moisture, water. But yet, at the same time, you have to wash those things. You have to clean them. And they have to sit in a sink of cold water, quite frankly, for a little while. Because they're going to have bugs. They're going to have a lot of dirt and sand from the forest floor. And um, that's one of the challenges with working with mushrooms, is trying to figure out how you can clean them without destroying them or not making them their best. So, and then, you know, I often will do morels in three changes of water, Sometimes it takes me up to an hour to clean them.
0: Teeny tiny brushes.
1: Yeah, and no, and then they need to drain beautifully. And um, you know, you can always do a process of popping them on a sheet pan and putting them in the oven first before you begin to really cook them to draw out some of that moisture. That is one way if you're making a lot and you, you know, you're, you're concerned as, as to how moist, how much they act like sponges, so they they absorb a lot of water. When well, they also have, if,
0: even even if you have a big pan, if you have a large quantity. They'll steam tremendously when you yeah. first go in there with it,
1: right? And that is another thing you never want to overcrowd a pan ever, but particularly with mushrooms, you don't want to just load up that pan and have them sitting on top of themselves. Um, you know, just having moisture drop down through, and you're just you're just going to have a, a whole big old pot yeah. full of water.
0: Well, no, the whole ball so. game is like they have amazing flavor. You have to realize it.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's what we work for with every single thing we do in the kitchen. Is realize the best flavor of that particular product, and with porcini's, I mean, to me, the flavor profile on a porcini is almost steak-like. A morel, to me, is is much more um, almost fruity, if if you can accept that, you know, that that uh, wording. But um, yeah, porcini's, and and if a porcini is old, they become very funky and undesirable. Um, so you know, you really want to check yeah, the, do- the, gills. the darkness
0: becomes really bitter
1: yeah and they just they get they actually will get a little I hate to use this word but slimy um they they are a, a, you know a mushroom no and you if you just as you know a word of advice looking for them in the market you want the gills to be uh more uh well, tight to the cap as always. Um, you want them to f- to look sh- fresh, to, to to be firm. You want the mushroom to be firm. You don't want the top of the mushroom to feel, you know, moist or well, whatever. It shouldn't be all
0: very pitted or anything. Mm-hmm. That's
1: and you want to look for fr- quite frankly wormholes, um, because th- that is another aspect of of something growing in uh, the forest floor like that. So you want to not buy that one, obviously. Um, or those, but yeah, morel, uh, morels are are incredible, and and you know whether or not you saute them to the point of caramel is, you know, beginning to caramelize, or you make a morel cream, or you make a sauce, a reduction or sauce, finish with morels, in, or in the spring, whatever.
0: Morels and asparagus.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Are well, very they, you
0: know, simple, perfect.
1: What grows together goes together. Well, and
0: it's but it, but but it is also like the first like sun on the field, mm-hmm. you know, coming from the earth. And 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 what's in the forest in that moment in the spring that yeah th- there is an energy with those two things together that's very special.
1: Yeah, I was reading about uh, truffles in a French cookbook the other day, and and they were talking about the whole sort of season of the growth of the uh, truffle, and it's fascinating. I didn't realize they, the, you know, as that organism you know attaches to those, the the root structure of the trees. Um, often hazelnuts or oaks, um, that that actually goes through a living period and almost a dormant period in its short life, which is several months. And... Um you know, they start in the spring and and then they develop in the spring and then they go through summer and there's a part of time in the summer where they sort of shut down their growth and then they start growing again. And they're so dependent upon obviously the weather. They need water. They need rainfall uh, for them to do well. And the ground can't get too cold uh, during their process. So um, their growth process and then they are their best in well, they're actually their best in January, but they do start to uh become ripe enough, and that is the right word to use, which is kinda of funny to think about, but with uh with the truffle, but they become uh ripe enough in November.
0: So other mushrooms on my particular list, maitakes. Oh yes. Great. Simple chicken broth, just a few mytakis.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like twenty minutes in there. Eat it. <laughs> Right. The, it cannot, you know, with the, maybe the tiniest bit of spring onion or something, or chive cannot be. That's one of the perfect things available in the world. But mytakis spectacular. Uh, when you can get, and these are things you can, a lot of them you can get in this part of the the country. Uh, hen of the woods or chicken of the woods yeah. mushrooms. Yeah, beautiful. That can be marvelous. Um, trumpets have like a nice meaty oh, flavor I love trumpets yeah I think they're pretty underrated mm-hmm. but as I said black trumpets are like that's one of the other things on my list of they have a real perfume and and they have at the same time they have not an easy to work with like woodsy texture but if you use it the right way or counterpoint the right thing with it can be really really successful it's tricky to use with seafood because of texture. Easier to use with game or meat or birds especially.
1: Right, right. Right. Well, and we we okay, so when you and I first started in the restaurant business, would have been in the 80s. There a lot of things were not available then. And I remember, I just
0: button mushrooms and shiitakes.
1: Yeah, and I just and
0: portobellos. And portobellos. Every menu. Exactly. Every menu had portobellos.
1: That was it. And I remember thinking I don't ever want to see a shiitake or a portobello mushroom again after that period of time.
0: If you if you stuff a portobello mushroom, I'm going to run you over.
1: <laughs> but recently, I bought a case of shiitake mushrooms and I had forgotten how absolutely delicious They are if you cook them correctly. Now this is another cultivated mushroom, so you're just simply cleaning the cap, maybe brushing it with a towel. Um, They might be perfectly clean. Uh, You always cut the stem off of a shiitake. That's totally not desirable. I just use a pair of scissors. I use my my kitchen scissors. We buy a three pound box. I lay them out on my cutting board. I grab my scissors and I'm snipping all the little uh, right at the at the mushroom cap uh, the stem off discarding those because they're really not good for anything which is weird we use every other all parts of every other mushroom but not with the shiitake and if you do have a good way or some idea of a way to use those stems let me know I'd be curious but um, and then julienne them uh, or slice them whatever you want to say and not too thick not too thin and I get a hot pan on, absolutely do not overcrowd that pan. Uh, I use a neutral oil, I use canola, and get the pan hot, pop in the oil, cover the bottom of the pan with a layer of oil, and put the shiitakes in, and oh my gosh, they brown so beautifully, so quickly, salt at the end, absolutely gorgeous.
0: There's a little bit of a density to those
1: mushrooms, so they don't take long. I could just stand there and eat like 50 of those things. They're so good, and I will never forget It was the first time I recall ever eating in a restaurant where the chef was a woman. My father did a lot of business in Chicago, and um, I I cannot recall. It's funny. He had been eating in this restaurant. It's no longer there, so it doesn't matter what it's called. But um, I remember it was the first time I ever had duck breast, and she made lentils, ironically that you were just talking about it, with shiitake mushrooms, and it was one of the best things I had ever eaten at that point in time in my life, I will never ever. I can see the restaurant. Chef came out to the table and spoke to us, and I'll never forget that really great combination: lentils and shiitakes.
0: It's two different parts of the same earth, kind of, you know. Right. We should do a round of the last couple of happy favorite attractive ingredients because <laughs> we can run out of time, and we could talk about mushrooms from now on right. until Eternity. God only knows. Right. Yeah. So. What are the other things that are on your list? Just real quick.
1: I have to mention sweetbreads because they are truly one of my favorite things to work with. And they're not easy to work with. Um, so maybe we should talk about it on another show because yeah. the process is lengthy. Yeah. What else is on your list? Lobster. Which is, you know, has People gone... People hate lobster. Yeah. <laughs> Lobster's magic. You put something, anything with lobster on the menu, it's going to sell like wildfire. People love here, especially, love crab. And lobster. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. So I recently did a vol-au-vent, which is uh, a, a puff pastry sort of wonderful little cavity. Um, so you, you you twist the ends on the pastry. It pops up when you bake it in the oven. It creates a hole in the center, and just did a quick sauté of of shrimp and uh, a little bit of shallot. Added my lobster cream sauce. Uh, cognac, sorry, flamed with cognac, lobster cream, and put uh, nice, beautiful pieces medallions of lobster in at the end to heat it up, and finish with a little bit of just a tiny bit of salt. And uh, actually, I served that with shiitake mushrooms because we had them, and um, just put those on the pastry after we put the uh, lobster and shrimp in. And I mean, we could not keep that on the menu. I mean, we, it just went out the door so quickly. It was, but that's fun. That's I, I love lobster.
0: My last little favorite thing I'm going to mm-hmm. throw in there. Yellow watermelon and orange watermelon. (laughs) Okay, yeah. I love them so Uh much. So perfumed. orange is so sweet, Mm. and the yellow is so perfumey. Oh, my goodness. It's like
1: special, special.
0: Well, and there's a wild card thing to it. You know, they have the crunchy texture. There is sweetness, certainly juicy, but like in an heirloom tomato salad, Mm -hmm. and you've had and, and made versions of this. But the textures together are marvelous.
1: The watermelon and the tomato yeah. together, yeah, and, yeah, it's and the acid
0: from the tomato and the oh, sweetness yeah. of the melon, yeah, delicious. You know, very interesting, and if you give it a little bit of fat, whether it's you know feta or wh- whatever it might be, mm-hmm. can be amazing. And then you turn around with that same yellow watermelon, and uh, like the th- thing that I made the other the other week, the bluefin tuna tartar. Uh, that that was so good. The, t- the tartare is just capers, mint. A little bit of red onion, you know, seas, very finely chopped. Salt, very, finely very finely chopped red onion. Sea salt, you know. And you
1: had chili oil on the plate. A little bit of chili oil. Man, on the plate. that 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 little just bit. Dra- of, just oh. drag that through. Yeah, with yeah. that watermelon. Anyway, gorgeous. That's,
0: we're we're out of time, and okay. now I'm starved. <laughs> uh, if you want to listen to this program or any other one of our Foreman Wolf programs on WYPR, go to the WYPR website, wypr.org, look for the Foreman Wolf page. And there's a full menu of goodies right there for you. If you want to correspond with us via email, it's foremanwolf at wypr.org. To follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media.
1: You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook as Chef Wolf.
0: My Instagram is The Real Tony Foreman. And
1: thanks for listening. Happy Sunday.